Hey yo, this is Unbound Love. The meandering conversation of two pastors. And I'm Gail. And I'm Kelly. And today we are going to talk about music. Christmas music to be specific. (laughs) We're going to talk about the ones we love, the ones we hate, the ones we cringe when they come, well, they don't usually come on, when they are played or sung, and the ones that we like turn off the radio for. Um, so all of the, how do you feel about Christmas music? So my first question is going to be, when do you start playing Christmas music in your life? Oh, we generally decorate the week of Thanksgiving, either before or after. So pretty much when the tree goes up, I start playing it in the house. However, I have been known to play a few songs like during the summer too. So there's no no belief on your part that playing Christmas music, not at Christmas time, somehow brings wrath of God upon you. No, I think, and I'm I'm big on Christmas in July. I think sometimes you need a little cheer all the time, although it probably drives my kids crazy. (laughs) So I have been known to to just be humming it to myself in not not Christmas times. Like it just like jumps in my head. And it's something that I do pretty often anyway, just to be like humming a song, singing a song. Frequently, it's the last thing I heard on the radio. I heard in a store somewhere, you know, and I'm just like, where did that song come from? But Christmas music does that for me like year round. It'll just pop into my head and I'm just like singing along. Um, And sometimes people are like giving me the side eye like, what in the world is wrong with you, woman? I actually have a story about that. Yes. (laughs) It was in the Lowe's Gardening Center. You know, that springtime when everyone's buying stuff and I was picking out a tree and I'm standing in line. And I think it's in my head. Oh, Christmas tree. Just Mm -hmm. because I've been looking at trees. And this lady turns around and looks at me and I was literally singing it out loud. and didn't. But I have my mask on, so I hope she doesn't know who I was. I guess she probably doesn't listen to us. But I was singing, oh, Christmas tree, standing in line in the middle of spring. So I do the same thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's just, it's music that that speaks to our heart in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And it's music that um, represents a joyful season. And I think that there's something about that joyful season that grips us throughout the year, that we just have this like happiness that comes with the Christmas songs and whatever. And yet I hear people, and this has been a, a, a fairly recent thing in my life, to hear people bitch about hearing Christmas music and hearing it too much. What do you think that's about? I think they're sad and mean people. They're Grinches. We need less Grinches in the world and more carolers. Well, I say that, but there are some songs I don't want people to sing. So it depends on the Christmas song. I'll say that. Mm, it does. So what's your favorite? Um, we're going to start with secular. Okay. Like, uh, I have to say, and this is because it is everything that is my childhood, Anything from the Chipmunks Christmas album. Wow. That was what we listened to going to my grandmother's every single Christmas. And I know it's super cheesy, and but every time I hear the Chipmunks Christmas album, and I pull it out, I actually have it on my playlist now, mm. um, it just reminds me of sitting in the back seat of the car with my parents and being so excited about going to see my cousins and grandparents and opening presents. Mm. So there's a song, and it's a particular rendition of this song it is um uh santa claus is coming to town is the song and i can't tell you the rendition um this is probably going to share my age um but it's one of those um um rca vinyl 
a whole bunch of different stars singing different Christmas songs that were fairly popular, I'm going to say in the 60s and 70s. Um, and my parents had one, and it was you know in the Christmas collection that we, we listened to. And on this particular album and this particular person who sang it, and I, I, for the life of me, I can't remember now who that is. Um, but, um, you know, a, 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 a dolly for uh, whoever, and, and it goes, Wee! and then, um, and, a, and a car for Bobby or whatever it says, and, and like, I loved that part of the song. Like, the sound effects that went along with that song were such a big deal to me. And uh, even as an adult with my nephews, like, I made it into a whole big thing that every Christmas, you know, on Christmas Eve, we're hanging stockheads, and, it's, you know, nobody was using vinyl by that point, you know, is everything's on, on cassette or, mm-hmm. or you know, whatever. And, um, and I would pull out the vinyl at my parents and put it on and, like, play that song over and over and over. And we would all just like, you know, yell out the zoom Zoom. and the whatever. And like, it it has this great meaning for me, um, that particular song and that particular version. I I cannot find it. Like the album is still at my mom's, but I can't find it anywhere in a recorded, put it on my phone kind of place. It's just, it just lives on the vinyl at my mom's. That's it's a memory thing. It's it like is. the same thing. Um, the chipmunks do do a version of that song. <laughs> but there's a it's a doesn't memory. have the right sound effects. It doesn't though. have it. Probably doesn't. And it it's the chipmunk voice. So. Yeah. But there is, and I also like the old Bing Crosby that my grandfather used to play. Mm-hmm. There, I love Christmas on vinyl. Mm-hmm. Anything that scratchy sound and Christmas mm-hmm. songs. But I think a lot of the songs that we listen to and we're connected with have these childhood feelings because they take us back to where we felt kind of safe and happy and mm-hmm. excited. And that's what I like the most, I think, about Christmas music. What about um, church Christmas music? Do you have a favorite Christmas hymn? So, Angels We Have Heard on High. It is my absolute favorite. And if if the church does a hymn sing in the middle of the year or whenever, and it's like, you know, one of those call out your hymns and we'll just sing it kind of events. Um, if you hand me a hymnal and tell me to call out my favorite, it will that will be the one. And... Um, a few years ago, I started doing a thing with our ukulele band, mm-hmm. uh, where we do a Christmas sing-along every year, and the ukulele band plays, and everyone just sings along with the songs. And, and in between songs, um, I will do um, kind of an informational thing. So here's about this song, here's an intro, here's a little history of it, here's something funny about it, something interesting about it. And in doing my research about that song, um, it, it made it even more of a favorite for me, because the um, In Excelsis Deo, so that term, something that comes back from like the first century. So, so there's the possibility that that particular term was was first used by someone who actually knew Jesus. And like every time I stand up and I'm telling about this song, and I'm just like, so here's kind of the history. Nobody really knows where it came from. In the third or fourth century, one of the popes said, you know, we're when when we read the scripture, this is what you're going to sing afterwards every time. And so, I mean, it, it goes back so far, but it's, it's true history, they believe, goes back to the first history, to within a hundred years of Jesus' life. And so, quite possibly, someone who wrote this, this phrase, started using this phrase, was someone who knew Jesus. Wow. Wow. I think, um, I'm going to be listening now when we sing that in church <laughs> with a different ear. Um, I, mine, okay, 
when I was young, my dad was at Todeski Baptist Church. Mm-hmm. Tiny, tiny little church in Tappahannock, Rappahannock, Virginia. And tiny church and like great choir. I'm going to say probably not the most um, musical kind of choir, but <laughs> gave it all they had. And go tell it on the mountain. Listening to them sing that, I can still hear it. And it was like, and we were all chiming in off, like off beat and off key and just singing as hard as we could, go tell it on the mountain. And same thing. It was um, spiritual from the slave plantation days Mm -hmm. and they would sing it year round. Mm -hmm. And there's something about like, I think that's part of my calling. Like that's who I want to be. I just want to go and be like, guess what? You don't know. This is amazing. I have to tell you. So every time, in fact, I think I preached an entire sermon on it last year on just go tell it on the mountain because it feels so like comfortable and there's something about like real people, the shepherds and, and just, I have an affinity for that part of the story, the shepherds part, because they were the outcast and they were the like, the people that showed up in the story and surprised everyone and so go tell it on the mountain just it's the one I'll sing as loud as I can and sometimes I'm trying to make sure my preacher mic's cut off because I'm going to blast it (laughs) it's interesting because it go tell it on the mountain is one that I'm just like this isn't a Christmas song and so like I argue that every time and every time (laughs) with the ukulele band I lose because they want to sing it but every time I'm just like, this isn't a Christmas song. This is just a regular song. Yes. Like this, this is an all the time song, not just a Christmas carol. Um, but you know, they're like, no, no, it tells the story. You have to, to, to sing it at Christmas. So that's kind of an ongoing argument that I have is that I don't, I don't think of it as a Christmas song. I think of it as a spiritual. Mm-hmm. I think of it as a great song. I enjoy the song, but I don't want to relegate it just into the Christmas box. I agree. It's like we were saying earlier, it's the one I sing all year long. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, other memories of songs that like really grab you, really? Uh, secular or, yeah. or, or non? I'm really big on A Holy Night. That mm. one's, there's a, there's something, especially um, in my grandmother's church, their choir, when they sing it, it's just, there's like this beauty to it. Mm. Um, oh, Holy Night, I, and of course I love all the claymation, like Rudolph and Frosty and all of that. And I generally, now I'm watching them by myself because my kids are grown and all over the place. So, but I like those old story songs. I, I have never liked I Saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus. And I honestly don't know why. It just, it, it drives me crazy. Mm. There's something about that song that drives me crazy. What about you? So interesting thing about I Saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus, um, I remember the first time I heard it. Um, and it was a brand new song. Um, and now I'm going to have to look up and see like when it actually when it actually came out. Because it was sometime in the 70s, I believe, that this was a brand new song being uh, put out. And um, um, I'm, I'm, I'm by the Jackson 5. I don't know that I realized that. Yeah, um, that's, I remember them singing it. Yeah, so, oh, it was recorded actually in 1952. but um, I remember the 70s version. But I remember Jack, the yeah. 70 ver- 70s version of it, and I'm not sure it was the Jackson 5 at that point. That I don't know who mm-hmm. sang it. Was, it seems like it was a woman, but whatever. Um, Michael Jackson kind of had that, that um, tenor voice or mm-hmm. whatever that was high enough that you're like, oh, is that is that male or female? But And I was a little kid. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but I remember like kind of it being a big deal. We were at a Christmas party, maybe for my older sister, I don't know, and it was played, and it was just kind of this big deal that this song was being played. I don't know if it was scandalous or I, like I, you know, again I'm a little kid, but it sticks in my head like the basement that we were in, the place where we were, yeah. you know, that kind of memory that comes along with mm-hmm. it. I'm not particularly fond of the song, but it holds a specific placeholder in a specific place mm-hmm. uh, in my memory. And I think that that's a lot of our Christmas memories, um, whether it's around music or around anything, is that there are these specific placeholders that um, mark a place in our lives um, that are happy and joyous mm-hmm. or are sad and awful, but the song marks that place for us. And I think that's just kind of the the um, uh, the joy of music, mm-hmm. is that music does that in our hearts, um, no matter what the music is, no matter what the season is. Music does that. It it speaks to us in a different way than just uh, things that are articulated or read or or received in some way other than through music. I think it it hits different sections of our brain. Mm. I mean, just with the melody and the sounds and all of that. We we talk about how you have these pegs in your brain and you hang something there and it takes you back to that place. Yeah. I think Christmas does that. There are some Christmas songs that also take me back to not happy Christmases. Mm. Um, I And I know I'm probably going to get killed for this, but Mariah Carey Christmas brings me to a place I wasn't really happy when that Mm. came out and so something about like the one song she sings about Santa baby put something under the tree Mm -hmm. I I can't even listen to it I have to like change the channel stop we're not gonna we're not gonna go there part because the song is so commercialized and so just it's everything that I don't want about Christmas but also it triggers one of those places where I was really sad and depressed that Christmas when it came out and so whenever I hear it it just makes me angry even if I'm super happy you know have all the kids and all my nieces and nephews and we're having a great time and it comes on and then all of a sudden I get this rage so I I mean we all have good and bad Christmas memories and that might be part of it is there something that makes you cringe so I mean there are songs that I don't like like I hate that hippopotamus song oh yes I mean, that is just a horrible, horrible song. Um, and, uh, you know, I live with someone who likes it. <laughs> and um, so, you know, there's that dichotomy of someone who really wants to listen to it and someone who's just like, oh, this is garbage. Um, and um, the other one that I don't really care for is, um, uh, oh, it's a donkey song. What's the, the Dominic the Donkey. Oh, yes. Um, so don't really care for Dominic the donkey, although I find it a little more palatable, palatable than the hippopotamus thing. Can we talk about the big controversy that keeps coming up with um, one Christmas song, Mary, did you know? Sure. How do you feel? Some people say that, yes, she knows and the song is horrible. Some people feel like it is wonderful. I'm going to tell you. I will talk about how I feel. It does tear me up every time. How do you feel about oh, really? it? Mm-hmm. Hmm. So I think we talked about this a bit when we talked about Advent. Um, so for me, it's um, one of those, like, you don't want to sit next to me when the song is being sung because I answer um, very strenuously um, that, yes, she knew. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, really state my opinion. Um, and sometimes I get a bit shushed uh, because I just 
I, I feel strenuous, strenuously that, yes, she knew. And I don't know how much she knew. I really don't. You know, God says, you we found, you know, I found favor in you. Uh, you are uh, going to be gifted a child, and the child is going to be the Savior. Um, and what do you know about that? I mean, what do you really know in that? What is What did Mary really know? Because I don't think she was given the full picture. Um, I really don't. And so, um, what she knew, I, do, I mean, I think that she knew that God came to her. Um, she knew how she got pregnant, whether or not you believe in a virgin birth or not. Um, that's a whole different rabbit hole to chase. <laughs> yeah. But, um, uh, you know, some people believe that she, this is a virgin birth. Some people believe that that is not mm-hmm. true. Uh, and whichever side you're on on that, I still believe Mary knew mm-hmm. that something was happening. And that this wasn't just a, I got pregnant and I'm having a baby. Mm-hmm. Um, that there was something miraculous about it. Um, so, I I was very angry. It seemed kind of like mansplaining to me mm. for a while. But yeah. then I was talking to our choir director because his version tears me up. He sings it from the balcony a cappella, and it just brings tears to my eyes. And I think the tears come from thinking about the reality of this is a person Mm. i don't think i think she knew and had an idea of who he was going to be but like the entire world at that time he was not what they thought he was not what they thought the promise he was not the isaiah savior that they were expecting and so i think she knew it was going to be miraculous and amazing i don't think she knew about the cross i don't think she knew the details but as i was talking to him i realized it's not about explaining who mary was and what she knew it's about taking you as a person and thinking about the reality of this is a family this is a mother and a child and a human mother that's having to experience god and not none of us know what to expect when God shows up. We think we do. We can read scripture and we can, you know, fill ourselves with all of these thoughts and prophecies, but we don't know. And that kind of took me aback. We were having a very big debate on it and that kind of took me aback and I think that's part of the emotional part of the song. It it makes you realize that even right now we don't exactly know how miraculous it was. Years later, conversations later, theologians for time in and time out have told us what it was, but we still don't know. And so there is that. And and it is a heartstring song. I mean, like it is unlike some of the others. So are there other hymns or songs that you're going to talk about? So uh, so I'm, I, I want to stay on, on Mary Did You Know okay. for a little bit longer because, like, I, I, I often wonder, like, what... What did what was Jesus' childhood like? Mm-hmm. You know, so here is is we have so, a lawnmower, folks, so <laughs> or something. They're, they're mowing the lawn, and so <laughs> we're just going to have that as the background. So enjoy, uh, enjoy mowing the lawn in December. Um, Comes with living at the beach. It does, and so so like I wonder what his childhood was like. You know, so I mean. You, you might have seen the cartoon. It, it frequently is, it comes out around Thanksgiving where, you know, um, there's a turkey on the table and and um, the turkey is being resurrected um, mm-hmm. as it's sitting on the table. And, <laughs> and Mary and Joseph say to Jesus, like, stop playing with your food. And um, 
it, it always makes me think, like, what, what was Jesus like as a child? What, what would, like, was he doing miracles? Is that the reason that his first public miracle is one that his mom says, like, you can do, like, make, make this into wine. Like, now it's the time. You know, like, um, well, Jesus can take care of this. Just take care of it. Because maybe he'd been doing it at home all along. Um, and, like, what would it be like to have a child that was just, like, doing miracles? Like, you know, um, maybe we're all familiar with, with kids who do science experiment kind of stuff mm-hmm. and are exploring the world around them. But here you have this this child that truly can do miracles and truly can resurrect things and like what was his childhood really like in that it's an interesting question i i love the um if i theologian if you're not out there and haven't been to seminary um the infancy gospel of thomas mm-hmm. where jesus literally is like accidentally killing people and raising them from the dead like his friends because he's a kid and he doesn't understand so i love that idea of like joseph and mary having to bring him into the house and sit him down and say you've got to stop doing this you know everyone's getting upset with us there's something very realistic about that although you know it was kicked out of course for many many reasons of our bible i do have um every every year Mary, did you know, is part of our Christmas celebration. Mm-hmm. And so every year I, with the kids, talk about baby Jesus. Mm. And the exciting part that they want to hear over and over again was the answer to the question, did Jesus wear diapers? Mm-hmm. And so... Um, Jesus pooped his pants, y'all. Yeah, he did. And and what happened in those days is they would wear babies. So Mary wore Jesus 24-7. Like Jesus was attached mm-hmm. to her body. And they would carry little cups, and they knew their baby so well, they could tell when the signs were happening, and they put a cup under their baby's butt. And every time Jerry now sings, Mary, did you know, the little kids in my church go, oh, she knew she knew when he was going to poop. <laughs> she knew she'd have the cup ready, and they just, they're, they're mesmerized by that idea. And I think it's going back to what the song tells us, like, this is actually a baby that grew up to be a person with a real mom who didn't have the patience that Jesus had with us, that didn't have the, um, as Mary didn't have the connection. She wasn't part God, so she didn't have that ability to separate herself. She was real. And she went from holding the cup under his baby bum to watching him die on the cross. And so I think in that there is a lot to that song, although I don't like the mansplaining. I agree with that. Yeah. But, you know, I don't care for mansplaining in a lot of the um, the, theological um, circles (laughs) because that seems to be a pretty common occurrence uh, in a lot of of things. And maybe even at Christmas, there's that, what's the song, Baby It's Cold Outside? Mm -hmm. That one kind of, I like some of the newer versions, but that kind of gets me every time, too. And I know if you go back, as we say, historical context, and it was really big for that day, but that there's a little mansplaining that happens in that song, too. Well, and, and there's there's the cajoling that feels in some ways a um, um, a sexual assault yes. kind, of, kind of thing. <laughs> yes. And yet, um, you know, if you've ever been with someone that you, you really you love mm-hmm. that you have that connection with and when it comes time for them to leave whether it's on the phone or it's on the you know in person mm-hmm. or whatever 
there's that, oh, can't you just stay a little longer? Yep. Just just a little bit more, and just, I, just don't leave me quite yet. Um, and so for me, I, I have trouble, like, separating those two from the, you know, well, okay, he is trying, to, I mean, if you, if you change the voices, mm-hmm. and it was him who said, I really have to go, and she said, yes. no, please stay. Do we see the song in a very different way? And if we had, if we would reverse those roles, you know, and maybe you have two women who are singing it or two men who are singing it or, you know, so there's that that domination thing that comes in a a male-female relationship that really may not be there. Mm -hmm. And yet we hear it in that song. So I think that if we balanced it a little bit, we might hear it in a different way. I'm going to go Google a version where it switched. I think there was one that came mm-hmm. out mm-hmm. with, I, um, so. I forget who did it, but I'm going to Google that and listen to that again and see if I could like that one better. I think after we do this podcast, yeah. I'm not going to do it right now. <laughs> yeah, so I just think that that changes the way that you think about, and, and I think that maybe that's true for a lot of music or a lot of things that we do. If we, we you just kind of change that perspective a little bit. And how do we hear songs in a different way? Um, or how do we hear them in the same way over and over and over and over again? Um, it, in my house, um, Christmas is not Christmas until Messiah happens. Yes. Yes. And um, Messiah is a must. Uh, it is a must to see it live. And so um, I, there have been very few few years in the last 24 when we did not attend some live version of Messiah. And some are better than others. You know, some are um, a local church choir or a local whatever choir. And some of them are wonderful and beautiful and amazing. Some of them have been sing-alongs. Some of them, you know, like there's a wide variety of ways that we have experienced Messiah. My per, my most favorite um, way of doing this, and and I'll be perfectly honest, I always am the one who goes in search of finding the tickets. Mm-hmm. I am always the one who makes sure that we go, but it is not for me that I do this, um, because it is not my joy of Messiah. It is my spouse's joy of Messiah. Mm-hmm. Um, that is the reason that we go. But a few years ago, um, we we uh, I found tickets. That was the North Carolina Ballet Company, and they did a rendition of Messiah. And I bought the tickets with the, this is either going to be really, really good, or it's going to be really, really weird. And I don't know which, um, but uh, but we're going to go, we're going to drive to Raleigh and see the ballet version of Messiah. <laughs> and yes, that is just as weird as it sounds. Um but it was the most powerful version of Messiah I have ever witnessed. Um, I look for it every year for the possibility of seeing it again. Um, if I had known going into it what it really was, um, I would have seen it multiple times. Um, because it, it spoke to me in amazing ways. Um, and I'm I'm not a huge ballet fan, um, but I do know the the songs and the words to Messiah, 
Um, but it, uh, yeah, it, it spoke to my soul in a way that I was not prepared for. I think Christmas is not Christmas for me until we've had a lessons and carols or a cantata mm-hmm. in the church. And it might not even be the church I'm serving. My grandmother has been in the choir for, I think they just celebrated her like 75th year in the choir. Wow. Um, she, she started the church and has been in the choir ever since. And, um, so we would see their cantata or their lessons and carols. We do the church I'm currently serving. They do it really big. Now, there's two sides to that. One is it. There's something about hearing the Christmas story through music, and they're always different. Like mm-hmm. there are always different interpretations. So a lot of times it's the same scripture, but different songs that go with it. And but the other part is, as a pastor, it's the Sunday you don't have to preach, <laughs> where you get to be part of the audience. And we actually get to sit sit in the pews. I mean, we have to go up and maybe say a few things, but. It's when I get to experience church in its fullness at Christmas. It's kind of my Sunday off to just enjoy the Christmas joy. And um, and and I've been known to, like, if they do them at night, travel to a couple of lessons and carols and cantatas because I do get lost in the music. I do like just being out there and kind of floating in the music and just spending time in my faith. It kind of takes me out of the presents got to get wrapped and dinner's got to get cooked and, you know, I got to get the kids and make arrangements for the parents and all of that. It gives me a moment just to, for that 30 minutes or an hour, I get to just experience it. And I, I'm the same way with that as you are with the Messiah. Mm. I, I mean, I will fully admit that I am not a fan of cantatas, mm-hmm. um, like really at all. Um, but I'm not a fan of being sung too. Uh. Um, so like I endure Messiah because, but well, generally I'm like playing on my phone, like I'm playing a game or I'm doing something on my phone or the last version of Messiah, I was writing my sermon. So, I mean, you know, like, like I'm doing something because to me, music is more of a background than a sit and be focused on it event. And so cantatas are hard for me because it is a sit and focus on this music and people singing to me as opposed to me participating mm-hmm. i i really enjoy participatory singing um and so like the lessons and carols mm-hmm. i love like i love that service i love singing together and even in pandemic and, and at, at my church we usually do it on the sunday after christmas and so christmas you know whatever 25th falls whatever the next sunday is will be the the lessons and carols and last year in pandemic Um, you know, we were not gathering in person. And so I put together a video montage. So I requested people to sing songs. And again, I would talk in between and introduce the songs. And then different groups in the church would sing a song. Um, Some of them did solo, some in quartets and trios and whatever, however they worked it out. Um, and put it all together in a video that we played the Sunday after Christmas that was a montage of, you know, lessons and carols. And um, it was really a neat service. And it's one of my favorite services if I get to be here for it. Frequently, I'm away at Christmas. But uh, if I get to be for the lessons and carols, I really enjoy that service because it is participatory. Yes. We have, um, and our church did it, I think, before the pandemic, um, here in Wilmington where we live, we have these horse-drawn carriage things that take you through downtown, and they do Christmas caroling. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. So you can load up on a couple of horse-drawn carriages and the music plays and you sing along and you drive through downtown. And it's fun to do. Like I love, we yeah. had um, our um, children and we have we had an older group called Graceful Seniors. They got together and did it. So it was a blast. But it's also fun when you're walking around downtown. Like if you're just shopping in the evening and the tra- the um, horses start, you hear them and the people singing and everyone sings along. You'll just be standing on the street and people will start singing as they're walking along with the horses. And it's a cool part of Christmas. It kind of feels like old Christmas. Yeah. It feels like it's kind of taking us back to where we all were more communal and, and where people were caroling all the time at people's doors. Hi. Don't know when the last time someone knocked on my door and sang Christmas carols to me was. That was a big memory of being a child. But I don't. we don't really do that a lot anymore. Yeah. So one of the things that we do here at my church, and we are in a beach community, um, and there's a boardwalk. And on the boardwalk is uh, restaurants and bars and other business type things. <laughs> and um, yeah, this is the off season in Christmas, at Christmas. And so, as a general rule, we have a night where we go Christmas caroling, but we go down on the boardwalk, and we go into all the different bars, <laughs> and all the different restaurant businessy kind of places, and we just walk in the door, and we're like, we're here to Christmas carol, is that okay? And we have yet to have one say no, and they will turn off their jukebox, they mm-hmm. will turn off the music that is playing. And we stand there with our little songbooks and we Christmas carol to everyone who's sitting at the bar. Mm-hmm. And, um, and frequently, you know, they join in. And the joy that is on people's faces with getting someone coming Christmas caroling to them. Um, and, you know, you think of a lot of people who at Christmas time are sitting in bars alone and, um, you know, drinking their sorrows, um, uh, and it just, the joy that, and they join in and they sing along with us because uh, we're singing songs that, that are songs of our hearts. They're songs of, of Christmas. And they're not necessarily religious songs, but just the, um, the cool songs of Christmas from Frosty the Snowman to Angels We Have Heard on High. <laughs> I remember Frosty the Snowman, we have, um, we... <laughs> We were with a group of my daughter's friends and we were singing, something happened and we were singing the song and one of her little friends just is like bawling and crying and cannot stand the thought of like Frosty melting and just like, this is the worst song. Why would you sing this song? Like you were so mean, like horrified. And, um, and I will say she was Jewish. She, she didn't have a lot of Christmas. Like we were kind of the Christmas experience. She was young and yeah. she really didn't have a history of a lot of Christmas stuff. So she was looking at us like we were the scariest people in the world. <laughs> and it was such a sweet moment because it was, you could see how real these songs are to children. Yeah. Like, like she's following along, like this is in the magic and, oh wait, no, no, no. <laughs> and I said, and sometimes we hear things and we don't hear them the way little kids do. Yeah. Like even the, the Santa, the um, up on the rooftop mm-hmm. was click, click, yep click. the click this and it goes back to those sounds we talked yep. about earlier that click 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 and I remember even like my I don't know who did it probably Santa but when <laughs> on Christmas Eve at my grandfather's house we'd always hear roof like the on the rooftop we'd hear reindeer paws pretty sure it was Santa right absolutely it was Santa <laughs> um, absolutely mm-hmm. um, yeah so it's all you know it's it's, it's it's all wrapped up 
in uh, years of memories and years of um, of what it all means to us. And I think that you're right. Frequently we hear these things um, and we don't hear them all at the same time. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I think about how much of our Christmas lore is wrapped up in bad theology songs um, around Christmas. I mean, Jesus laid in a manger. He cried, y'all. There's mm-hmm. not the no crying he made. Um, it's, it's a wrong song. Um, Jesus was a real baby mm-hmm. and did real baby things from pooping to crying. And it's just reality. But because it says so in the song, um, there are people who believe, well, Jesus was a perfect baby and never cried. Um, I, I do a Lego club here at my church and have for years, since 2013. And um, every year when we make our Lego nativity to give to the church, um, you know, I explain, yes, there are three wise men here, but build as many wise men as you want because we don't know really how many wise men there were. And invariably, the kids will tell me, the song says there are three. Mm -hmm. And so there are only three. um, Because the song is right. Um, And I think we as adults get into that too. The song is right. We do. We do. I know there's been some um, arguments about, and we always go, well, let's go back to Luke. Let's read the Bible Mm. story. Because there have been so many arguments I see across social media about this is what Christmas is about. This is the real gospel of Christmas. And it's like, actually, it's not. Mm -hmm. It's very, the story that we have is very limited. There's Mm -hmm. very little there. But all these layers have been added by, to the Christmas story, mostly by Christmas songs. Mm -hmm. Um, And that didn't happen until much later when they started having Christmas plays to bring back a celebration of Christmas. There used to not be Christmas music. Um, It was actually not even a celebrated day until they started doing these Christmas plays. I think St. Francis started doing these Christmas plays and got everyone excited about it again. But in those plays, because the story was so limited, he had to add all this music and all of these details, like there mm-hmm. were cows lowing. And when it probably was an empty storeroom in the bottom of someone's house that once held animals or they would have shoot them out. Well, and, and even the, um, the idea of um, the angels singing, Yes. You know, the Bible doesn't say that the angels sang Mm -mm. anywhere. Um, But, of course, we all think that the angels sang because the music tells us Mm -hmm. that angels sang. Um, So we all believe that angels sang, but nowhere in the Bible does it say that they sang. And lots of people think the wise men showed up right after the shepherds. Like, the angels sang, the shepherds showed up, and then the wise men showed up, three of them exactly. And it really is kind of interesting how we build our reality off of something someone 's wrote and and want to fight about it because mm-hmm. because we want to preserve keep Christ in Christmas, we want to preserve it, but in truth we 're preserving something someone 's added to it, not the truth of the story that this was a real human being born to a real human being who yes was God and man at the same time but as a baby, what does that look like? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So a thing that um, I didn't realize, and I've looked it up to make sure that I get my dates right, but between 1649 and 1660, Oliver Cromwell mm-hmm. um, 
banned Christmas music mm-hmm. because he said it was a solemn event. And so, you know, it's one of those things that it hasn't always been no. that Christmas music was the, like, uh, really thing that it is now around Christmas. And what we think of now as being these embedded Christmas traditions and these embedded Christmas stories was not always so. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that we think of it now, very vastly different from uh, the way that it has been throughout history. Those Puritans did it. Those Puritans yeah. banned Christmas too. They're like, there will be no singing, no celebrating, no candy canes, no anything. Because it, and there is a question about that. Yeah. Like, I think there is, in part, it should be solemn. I think it should be a celebration. But then there are moments of this really happened. This is reality. And let's not get, let's not lose the seriousness of what we were given in the fun and merriment and the yeah. silent night that actually didn't happen. The holy night happened, but the silent part did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So music, music, it touches our soul in so many different ways. And, um, in in our our religious life, in our spiritual life, as well as in our secular lives, and I think that being mindful, uh, you know, I I remember hearing, because again, I was a a, a kid, a, a teenager in the seventies, and um, you know, music is going to ruin everything because. You know, I can't believe you're listening to these lyrics and you play the album backwards and it's telling you satanic stuff and, uh, you know, all that BS. Um, And yet, music grips our minds Mm -hmm. in a way that nothing else does. And we come to believe what we listen to. And so we listen to these Christmas songs. We listen to these um, not Christmas songs. And they they do grip our minds. Mm -hmm. And they do, in some ways, um, influence and and cause us to be one way or the other. And so I think that it's important to remember that. And to remember that um, hymns and songs are not where we get our theology. Mm -hmm. That um, just because it's a good song doesn't mean it's good theology. Just because, you know, there, it has a good beat or it has a good rhythm or it is pleasing to us in some way um, doesn't mean that the words we are singing are something we can take as literally gospel. Um, we have to, to be discerning in what we're listening to. Yeah, very, very much. So I, I'm, as we're talking, I'm thinking about the Elf movie. And how I love that they, movie. I know, it's my and how, favorite. And they had to sing to make Santa Claus a sleigh work. Santa, I know him. And, and that, I mean, I'm a Will Ferrell fan, but that that exuberance and that childlike wonder, and how they were able to through music bring everyone back together. And I think that's what Christmas songs do. They kind of bring everyone back to that place where the grandmother and the grandfather are at the same place the five-year-old grandchild is mm-hmm. because we all become kids at Christmas when certain songs are played. And I think it's I think it's important to, I mean, I think there's times and places for Christmas music. I do not believe that they belong in the public school system because there's so many kids that don't celebrate Christmas. It's kind of hard but I do think in the life of a Christian person, in the life of someone who celebrates Christmas, I think that we should enjoy the celebration. And we should, 
even those who sing off key like me should be excited to sing as loud as you can and and share that moment of joy. The best way to bring Christmas cheer is to sing loud for all to hear. Yes. So with that note, we will leave you. So uh, Merry Christmas, y'all. Merry and, Christmas. Uh, sing loud for all to hear. Sing it as loud and proud as you can. Amen.